Impeach or get off the pot? Seriously, has Donald Trump been impeached yet? I've got the TV on here. It doesn't look like it's happened yet. Uh, the Democrats threatened to uh, threatened to impeach uh, over for over two and a half years over collusion with Russia that never existed. And they've glommed onto it again over a phone call between President Trump and the president of the Ukraine. Is it the, the Ukraine or just Ukraine? I forget. Anyway, Nancy Pelosi signed on to the idea of impeachment yesterday because of what was in the transcript of a call that she, of course, hadn't read yet. Adam Schiff, you know him, he said that there was a quid pro quo with the president of Ukraine, and that was a good reason for impeachment. The president of Ukraine said today on live television, sitting right next to President Trump, that was today, that there was no quid pro quo and there was no quid pro quo found in the transcript. When Adam Schiff heard that, he said he doesn't need a quid pro quo. Are you ready for six or seven months of this? Uh, The election is what, a little over 13 months away? Is this going to drag on for that long? I say let's go for it. Impeach him or shut up. The Democrats have agreed to an inquiry about possible impeachable offenses, but they haven't gotten the votes and they don't have the guts to go for the actual I word yet. It doesn't seem. I mean, go for it. This has all been one more great lesson in why the swamp needed to be drained and why you should be in favor of having all the people in Washington on both sides, for that matter. Uh, you should be in favor of them having as little to do with happen- what happens in your life as possible. Meanwhile, the Democrats who are running for president, and they're still out there. Uh, you haven't heard much from them because of uh, all this U- Ukraine stuff. But uh, th- those people who are running for president want to have a lot more to do with your life. Uh, which, uh, which doctor you go to, what you eat, what you drive, how you travel. And that includes Bernie Sanders. Did you see what Bernie Sanders said the other day? Yesterday, I guess he said it, on Twitter. He said that there should be no such thing as a billionaire. In our second half hour today, we're going to talk to an expert on taxes and federal spending about what an idiot Bernie actually is and uh, how ridiculous his wealth tax idea is. And Elizabeth Warren, who's right there with him, we'll talk about him or her too. But after the break, we're going to try to make sense out of what's happening with the Ukraine and impeachment with a senior editor from The Federalist, David Harsani. We'll do that right after this. Stick around. Many of us know Haiti as a poor country. What you may not understand is they are in the grip of a humanitarian crisis. I'm John Stagerwald with Food for the Poor's Anitra Parmalee on the humanitarian crisis in Haiti. It's almost a perfect storm of suffering. Drought that is extended for a long period of time. Access to food and water has been cut off. They long for food for their children. I met mothers who hadn't been able to feed their children for two, three days where access to water was an hour walk up a mountain. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 95 degrees, they would say, the water's done. What do you do? That means no bathing, little cooking. The only water you have is for survival. You can literally change this today. Just $80 will provide one child food for a year and water for life. $320 can do the same for an entire family. Call 855-358-4673 today and help as many as you can. That's 855-358-HOPE. 
Regenerate me. Regenerate me. Please regenerate me. Why suffer with joint pain? There's a new treatment that offers more potential than stem cell therapy. At Regenerate Me Pittsburgh, now in Bethel Park, certified medical professionals offer advanced biological therapies, also known as ABT. A full recovery without surgery or drugs is possible. Get a complete diagnostic review, plus your first treatment for just $100 for a limited time. See if you qualify. Call 412-851-3811. 412-851-3811. If you're worried about market volatility or the possibility of losing money in the next market crash, the time to act is now. Effective financial management involves identifying opportunities. And with a 10-year bull market run, markets around all-time highs, and a highly contested election cycle right around the corner, we have an opportunity now to protect what's important. Don't risk losing a significant portion of your life savings in the next market downturn. Call Hunt and Associates today, 844-366-HUNT. That's 844-366-4868. Homeowners love their Pella windows and doors, and we love how happy we made Susan from Sewickley. It's Susan Wallet. I just have to tell you, this bay window is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's fantastic. It really is beautiful. Can we install some happiness for you? Right now, save $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Call for your free consultation. We'll come to you. Call 888-78-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. It's time to stand with Israel. Consider the lifelong impact of joining The Answers, Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher on the Stand with Israel Tour this December 2nd through 11th. More than a vacation, this journey will guide you through centuries of faith and culture as you visit iconic places right out of Scripture. Along the way, your hosts will broadcast on-site while you watch and participate. Together with like-minded travelers, you'll see over 40 iconic sites during the 10-day tour where you can pray at the Western Wall in Old City, Jerusalem, float in the Dead Sea and take a boat out onto the water of the Sea of Galilee. Have you ever wanted to walk inside the Garden Tomb? Register today for the Stand with Israel Tour this December 2nd through 11th. Just go to our website for more details and registration information at theanswerpgh.com slash Israel. That's theanswerpgh.com slash Israel. Healthy pets, healthy people, focusing on a natural, holistic approach for human and animal wellness. Host Dr. Edmund Sokowski and his guests discuss various topics on health and wellness for us and our companion animals. Airs each Saturday, live from 9 to 10 in the morning on 1250 AM, The Answer, giving you the opportunity to call in with your questions. A healthy pet is a happy pet, and being healthy makes people happy. Tune in, listen, learn, be well. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the news is still breaking on the Ukraine impeachment fiasco. President Trump had a a joint press conference with the president of the Ukraine who said he wasn't pressured to do anything and there was no quid pro quo, but the Democrats aren't backing off. Even Mitt Romney, speaking of Democrats, I said he's concerned. Of course, that could be because he's hoping to get the nomination of the Rhino Party here later this summer. Uh, David Harsani is a senior editor at The Federalist, and he says the Twitter mob might have played a role in all this. And David joins us now. Thanks for being here, David, again. Always a pleasure. Thank you. So that's the headline on your piece. Uh, Nancy Pelosi surrenders to the Twitter mob. Is that, is that where we are? Is that what happened now? Well, I mean, I, I guess my case is that there's a uh, bubble, you know, that a lot of journalists live in and other political class people who live in D.C., they live in this bubble. 
and they are sure that moving forward with an impeachment is the correct thing to do. They convicted Donald Trump the day he was elected and, and want to overturn the results of that election. Um, at this point, I think Nancy, and you know, for many, for a long time, Nancy Pelosi did not openly support these efforts because she understood that most Americans do not want to go down this road. But I think that she finally felt like this was the time where she could do that, even though not much has changed. And, uh, you know, that it would be political help, helpful for her. And I think that pressure sort of bubbled up, you know, from this bubble, this social media uh, environment that everyone uh, is living in. So have you seen anything today? Uh, lots of stuff happening today to change your mind about any of this? Um, no, I mean, I, I think that the transcript itself was, was far less dramatic than they made it out to be. I, I would say this, though, you know, Democrats make a big mistake, I think, by taking everything to 11, you know, instead of saying this is problematic right away, they want impeachment. So when I see what Donald Trump's saying, I say to myself, that's probably not uh, it's not a you know, a great way to speak, you know, to a foreign leader. It's not really in our national interest to be talking about Joe Biden. Um, you know, unless he has a, a good case to make for why it is, but that it's also not an impeachable offense. I mean, it's absurd that every time he says anything that they dislike or find, you know, objectionable, they immediately want to impeach him and remove the president. I, I, you know, I went through eight years of Obama. I think he was one of the most, you know, he abused executive power in ways that most presidents have never done. And I don't think I ever brought up the word impeachment once in eight years of writing about him. Yeah, and um, do you think that, that might be a little bit different. You think the media might be focusing on the former vice president in this story if you just switched and the former vice president was Dick Cheney or, you know, any Republican. You think that the media focus might be a little bit different than it is today? Yeah, of course. But 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 I think there's an interesting underlying aspect to this, and maybe it's just a conspiracy theory, but I think that a lot of the media like this story because Biden's involved. I don't think they want Biden to be the, the nominee. I think they want Warren to be the nominee or Sanders to be the nominee. And this way they get to, you know, pull in Biden and go after Donald Trump. It's like a home run for them, you know? Yeah, so uh, they, they, they don't like uh, Joe Biden, and they seem to be in love with the, the, the more the more lunacy that they hear, the better they like uh, a candidate, and that that's why they like um, uh, Bernie and uh, Elizabeth. Anyway, um, Nancy said she was down with an impeachment inquiry before she read the transcript that came out today. Uh, you think that may be based on what she's getting from the media? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, she based what she her position on the on, the, on what was reported that uh, Donald Trump eight times in this conversation, uh, you know, pushed the Ukrainian president, whose name escapes me right now, to. Uh, you know, investigate Biden. Well, it turns out there was only one time he did that, and it was much more subtle and far less dramatic than the news report had laid out. You'd think they would have learned their lesson after the Russia collusion stuff where so many stories were misleading and wrong, but they didn't. So before she ever saw the transcript, before she saw the whistleblower's report, she decided to say that what Trump had done was an impeachable offense. Um, and that's fine. You know what? In in general, as a you know, in general, I'm not against impeachment. You want to impeach presidents? Go ahead. Keep them. You know, keep them honest. But we all know that these standards are only going to be applied to Republicans and never to Democrats. And that's the real problem here. And uh, I, I I'm beginning to think that the word impeach or impeachment is approaching the word racist or racism. 
as the most overused and devalued word in the English language right now? Well, I mean... You know, they've been wanting to impeach Donald Trump from the beginning. You had progressives saying that he should be impeached right when he was elected because they claimed he stole the election. We went through two years of hysterical stories about, about how he had colluded with the Russian government to steal an election. We still, people still use words like Russians interfered with the election, which intimates that, you know, they somehow changed a vote or made someone vote in a way they didn't want to. None of that's true. Donald Trump has created, and listen, some of it's his fault, obviously, the way he speaks is not what we're used to and all of that stuff, but uh, we've created a, a government that, 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 that doesn't really work anymore. It doesn't do anything. All they do is go after each other, and it's really, it's gotten, it's just silly, silly, silly nation, silly town where I live in D.C. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, yesterday it was Alexandria overrated Cortez who, you know, she was uh, talking about, she was actually looking fairly, almost like an adult during this interview that I saw um, in the hallway somewhere yesterday, and and she was looking very serious and almost looked like uh, someone who belongs in Congress, at least, you know, her demeanor and everything. And then she threw in that, you know, she doesn't like his policies, which is a, <laughs> which is another good reason to impeach him. You don't like his policies, so let's just get rid of him. No, we wouldn't want to do that in an election. Right, I mean, exactly. I think that the prescription here, if you don't like how Donald Trump speaks, is to vote against him, uh, you know, in 2020, and, and that's the correct way to do it. But, um, you know, the truth of the matter is that I don't think, I think that politics has become so tribal for many good reasons, to be honest, that uh, I don't think a lot of minds are going to be changed by this impeachment thing. I think you'll see the normal partisan split on everything. And, uh, you know, people, when they vote, are going to think about the competing values. Donald Trump is uh, problematic for a lot of people in many ways, but in the end, he's not a socialist. He's, uh, he's going to stand up for the things that they like in general, and that's how people vote. And that's probably what uh, Ocas- uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was talking about inadvertently. Yeah, you write uh, in your piece today, and we're talking to David Harsani of The Federalist, the senior editor there. You write in your piece, uh, in Twitter politics, there's no political or professional price exacted from those perpetuating conspiracy theories. Um, I guess, uh, how is that? I guess that's a huge difference in what was going on pre-Twitter. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, was it really different? I mean, I think sometimes we um, romanticize the past in the sense that, you know, we had three stations when I was a kid, you know, giving us all our news. I, who even knows, you know, if there had been bloggers and tweeters at the time, if they wouldn't have been pointing out all the mistakes and biases of those people. But uh, clearly now we have, uh, you know, uh, this Russia story went on. People were perpetuating it on social media, and, and a lot of people, even the debunked stories, they still believe them. And then... You know, it turned out basically not to be true, and we next day we just moved on like nothing had ever happened. I mean, no, not, not no one was fired. No one explained right. why they were wrong. No one. It did not matter um, because it's all all this hysteria is driven by partisanship, and um, you can't tell what's serious or not serious anymore. Like even if I thought Donald Trump was wrong or 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 I thought he should be impeached for what he did, I would have a very hard time believing the media reports about this story to begin with. So, I, I would, you know, they've created this, this, this environment where we can't believe anyone. Yeah, you made an interesting uh, comment there about people being fired, and I've been wondering this, and it's a, a little bit off the track what we're talking about here, but, um, uh, you know, people being, have, being held accountable for being 
really, really wrong about something for a really, really long time, like they were at CNN and MSNBC. Um, and I worked in TV for a long time, and when you have when you had bad ratings, really, really bad ratings, people lost their jobs. The the management people lost their jobs, and the people whose mugs you saw on television lost their jobs because they weren't getting ratings. And you look at CNN, who can't really get too much further down the toilet in, in the ratings than they are right now, and nobody's fired from management all the way down to you know the, the lowest reporter on the totem pole. Yeah, CNN, I think, is in a very uh, weird spot in a, in a sense. You have MSNBC, where obviously people are much more open about their biases. I think that in a weird way, people respect that they're open about their biases. CNN, you have this station where everyone pretends they're not biased, and they're more biased than anyone going. So um, I think people just love to hate them, and the, in the, in the small ratings they do get really flow through that. Um, because most people just want an honest assessment, or they just want to go somewhere where they hear what they want to hear, you know. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I don't know what kind of ratings they need to actually make money because in the end of the day, that's what it's about. So maybe they have enough to, to, to generate some kind of profit. I don't know how it, how it works. I know that if it weren't for Donald Trump, but no one would be watching that ch- channel. Right. And the thing is, uh, um, they, they all, they'll make money. You can make money with pretty bad ratings and still you know charge a, a decent buck and sell enough advertising for everybody does pretty well. But I just wonder what it would. What's it if 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 CNN and the people working there uh, haven't been the people there have survived this? What would it take to get you know somebody other than Wolf Blitzer as their guy during you know during uh, prime news time during the afternoon and evening? It's, it's amazing to but, me. And you know it's not. And, and you know this probably a lot better than I do. It's not just how many people you're watching, but who you have watching. Yep, so I imagine, yeah, I imagine CNN has a bunch of you know. You know, rich people in in big cities watching them who who maybe spend money or whatever it is. But um, it's not even the ratings with CNN. They've gotten so many stories completely wrong. They refuse to correct them. So I I, I don't. I think there's probably a trust factor, a lack of trust factor going on as well with that station. Yeah, it might have something to do with viewers dropping off. They keep keep being told stuff that isn't true um you you mentioned also in your piece uh non-twitter voters uh and you mentioned that a little bit a minute ago about you know twitter and how that affects everything but um do all politicians and some of us in the media allow ourselves and themselves to be uh overly um affected by what they see on twitter I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they do, and I'm sure that I, I do as well. I mean, that's the world I live in, in a, in a sense, where I get my news flow, where I, I see what the temperature is, you know, and things like that. So it's important to try to take, bring it back into the real world sometimes, um, which I, you know, I, I try to do. You speak to your family, whatever. You go out and meet your friends who aren't so obsessed with politics, and you see how, how they look at things. So the non-Twitter voter... I suspect is far less interested in getting involved in another hyper, you know, another melodrama that's convoluted about Ukraine and this and that than, than, than Nancy Pelosi suspects. Though, I mean, I think that there are people who hate Trump and there are people who like Trump and people who are going to vote the way they're going to vote. I don't think any kind of fact right now, unless it was something super dramatic, would uh, change their you know, worldview or the way that they want to vote. This is more about getting out their own party. I think they want these investigations to drag into the election. I think they want to excite their own base. But in my view, 
you know, the it seems more likely that Trump voters are going to be excited to, def, you know, going to be worked up and, and want to defend the president from what they see as an unfair, you know, another investigation. Yeah, that was my next question, uh, David. Is it time for the Democrats to impeach or get off the pot? Or, or is <laughs> a, a long, dragged-out fight little. better? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical, actually, that they're actually going to go through with a, a, a full-house vote impeachment. There are... Um, uh, you know, it, there is really no precedent for 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 this kind of impeachment. When when Trump, when uh, Clinton was impeached, it was in his second term, so we don't know how he would have done if he ran again, etc. Um, but but I think they're going to have to see how it goes. Obviously, they have the whole media on their side. You're not going to get any kind of fair s- stories about this. So you, you know, people are going to have to make up their own mo- minds on it. But uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell how things work out. People, voters are fickle, and so on. But uh, I don't know. I don't know that uh, impeachment is is something that's going to help Democrats in the long run. And how is today different from 1999, the last time a president was impeached? I mean, other than the fact that you don't have to take the kids out of the room when somebody's talking about it. Well, it was in a second, you know, it was in a second term, so it wasn't up yeah. for another election, which I think is an important factor. Technically, Trump could be impeached and even removed, and then I think he can just run again if he wanted to anyway, which would be pretty wild. That'd be great. Media would love that. (laughs) He would. Um, But uh, I I don't, I don't, I mean, that's one factor. And I also think people are more partisan today in the sense that uh, they're less likely to change affiliation just because, you know, their candidate's a bad guy or whatever. And thirdly, I think that there's far less trust in the coverage and media coverage of, of the event. So that makes it harder for people to change their minds as well. But obviously there are a bunch of people who don't pay attention to politics every day and are much more susceptible to being, you know, you know, either just not go vote vote or, or, or get angry about something and go vote for the other guy. You know, I just wonder, too, uh, you mentioned the people who don't pay attention to politics that much. I've always heard that, uh, you know, the, the media tend to... Um, Give maybe maybe saying giving him too much credit is the wrong way to put it, but but thinking that people are paying as much attention to this stupidity as they are, uh, 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 you know the people in the media are, and it's just people just don't get up every day thinking about it the way you and I might because of what we do for a living. Right. I mean, I I, I think that's a good point. I think that Democrats had their big sw- got their big swing with Russia and whiffed. That's just how I see it, and that now it's a lot of this is probably just noise. It probably just sounds very similar to what has gone on before. There's another aspect to this. I think a lot of people who voted for Trump, uh, uh, you know, understand, or how can I say, it's already baked into the cake that he is the way he is. It's not something that is new to them or something that is going to all. Like, no one's waking up and going, wow, Trump is really, you know, he's really blunt. That's crazy. You know? I mean, I, I, think, I think they know how he is and are aware of that. So I don't know how many people are going to change their minds because he's saying something uh, to the Ukrainian president, a country I bet you 50 percent or probably more couldn't even point out on a map. I got less than a minute and a hard break here, David. I got to ask you this about about 30 seconds. Um, Who do you think is going to be the Democratic nominee as you sit here today? Right now, it looks to be Warren to me. I'm not very good at this because I think Biden is suffering in a lot of the early states and polls, though those things can turn around very quickly. And it seems that Sanders is probably a little bit too much out there for people, so they so they settle in on 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 Elizabeth Warren, which I think would be somewhat of a mistake for them. Yeah. Hey, David, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for stopping by again. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. All right. That's David Harsani of The Federalist, and we will be right back. 
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Members of the House and Senate Intelligence Committees are getting their first glimpse of a whistleblower complaint that sparked a formal impeachment inquiry. Copies of the report were delivered to the Capitol late this afternoon for members to review behind closed doors. After days of refusing to share it with Congress, the White House relented yesterday after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced she was launching an official impeachment inquiry. The complaint is said to include, among other things, the president's efforts to pressure Ukraine to investigate the Biden family. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines. President Trump at a press conference says he wants openness. We were going to do this anyway, but I've informed them, all of the House members, that I fully support transparency on the so-called whistleblower information, even though it was supposedly secondhand information. SRN News. This is your Stock Market Bulletin. I'm Bobby Richards. The CEO of an obscure $3 tech stock founded by the blue-collar son of a police officer has captured the attention of Donald Trump. Trump met with the CEO at the White House. And since then, Donald Trump appears to have become the company's number one fan. He showed up at a groundbreaking ceremony. He called the CEO one of the most successful business people across the globe. And he said what they are doing is the eighth wonder of the world. We decided to investigate for ourselves and reached out to the premier stock analyst in the United States, Oxford Club Chief Investment strategist Alex Green. Alex told us the company's lending massive deals, including $450 million with Nokia, $395 million with Microsoft, $828 million with Cisco, and $29.2 billion with Apple. The company is set to create 50,000 jobs in America this year, and Alex has now declared this $3 stock his number one play for 2019. Go to OneStockRetirement.com for more details, including how much Alex expects the stock to rise this year. Paid for by Oxford Club. Hugh Hewitt sees the media grasping at straws again. All of the talking heads switched from Russia to racism after the Russia Mueller probe fell apart. Then they switched from racism to Ukraine because they're just desperate to get a handhold on Trump. And they keep slipping off of everything. They can't hold on to anything. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250. The Answer. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tunch Elkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. This month, you could qualify for 18% off the MSRP on select models of the all-new redesigned 2019 Silverado pickup. That's over $9,300 in savings on select Silverado double cab all-stars. The team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence. Check them out at Calusi.com. Find new roads at Calusi Chevrolet. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Public employee pension reform now is in full bloom in Pennsylvania, but a study by the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy suggests that if the limited data available from the first of the two groups is any indication, there hasn't been any rush by employees, new or old, to embrace defined contribution plans. And even with reform, some school taxes continue to rise. Learn more about this and other topics at AlleghenyInstitute.org, where conventional things has been challenged every day since 1995. 
Pittsburgh homeowners rate Pella number one as a leading window brand. Susan wrote, We are thrilled with our new Pella windows and door. The installation process was superior to any other work we've had done in the past. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Wow. Thank you, Susan. Low pressure consultation plus expert installation. At Pella, it's just what we do. Right now, save $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Call 888-78-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 58. For tomorrow, we'll see a shower in some spots during the morning. More clouds than sunshine for the rest of the day. The high tomorrow, 74. Clearing skies for tomorrow night. It will be a noticeably chillier night as we drop down to a low of 46. Then for Friday, a blend of sunshine and clouds. A nice afternoon, 79 degrees. With your Accu Weather Forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, everybody's talking about the Ukraine and impeachment today, which means we're getting a little break from the stupidity that's been coming from the lunatics running for the Democratic nomination for president. And nobody is more of a lunatic than Bernie Sanders. He hates the rich. He hates the idea of anyone being rich. And he wants to tax wealth, not just the wealthy, wealth, to pay for all that free stuff he's been promising. Adam Michelle is a senior policy analyst on the federal budget and tax policy at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now. Adam, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. So uh, what does Bernie have in mind when he says there should be no such thing as a billionaire, which he tweeted yesterday, by the way? He uh, that, he wants to uh, to tax people, uh, wealthy people, until they look like everyone else. He wants to make uh, remove the incentive for for people to uh, to make new products and uh, and innovate and bring new things to market. Well, I don't. Does he really want to do that? Is he just too dumb to know that that's what will happen? <laughs> you know, when when you're when you when you are so. Uh, blatant about saying there should be no more very wealthy people. Um, I would hope that he knows that there has to be economic consequences to what what he is proposing. Uh, but but ultimately, what what he's he's talking about is is levying a a, a tax uh, uh, on on total accumulated wealth, which is very different than an income tax. It's it's similar to uh, to assessing the death tax or the estate tax, uh, not once a lifetime, but every single year. Yeah, and um, we all know how the government take taxes our income, uh, and it took a constitutional amendment to allow the federal government to do that. But taxing already accumulated wealth uh, has never been done. So how would Bernie make that work? I mean, you just can't become president and declare that I'm now going to tax your wealth, and I will decide how much wealth you have and how much I'm going to take from you. <laughs> so he, there, there are very real constitutional questions as to whether or not the uh, wealth tax can even be done without a constitutional amendment. But setting that very small problem aside, uh, this is a lot of the progressive proposals that are out there are uh, are talked about as if the Bernie Sanders or the Elizabeth Warrens of the world can wave their magic wand when they get into office, and uh, and all these things will be true. But it's significantly harder than to to actually get these proposals through the House, through the Senate. Uh, but 
but he, he's socializing the idea that that uh, that we should demonize success uh, and that and that for some somehow building uh, building wealth at whatever level is, is is something not to be admired. And I think that's the that's the real big problem here with the discussion that's being had. It's uh, it's it's moving to the front and center. This idea that, that we shouldn't uh, look up to to success. And also, doesn't it have to uh, have a a, a um an element of jealousy involved or suspicion, maybe suspicion is a better word, that these people who have all this money somehow came about it um, uh, dishonestly, and it's not fair that they have the money. Uh, and, and you have to almost paint them as, as having you know, broken the law somehow, if not uh, legally, at least morally. Yeah, it's it, it's a sort of manifestation of the politics of envy. It's uh, I, I I can use the course of powers of the government uh, to to take things from from people that that I don't think should have them. Uh, and I I think it's uh, it's often it it's interesting to to sort of flip the tables and 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 wonder uh, why it's not considered greedy for for a Bernie Sanders to want to take all of all of uh, Jeff Bezos's uh, wealth. Uh, it seems like that is uh, we should we should also question where where the sort of motivation is coming from uh, from people that, that want to levy these uh, sort of confiscatory levels of taxation. And Bernie's plan calls for starting. I think it's at thirty-two million because um, you know people think it's all about billionaires, but this would be starting at people who have a wealth of thirty-two million, I think, and taxing that at one percent. Uh, and then going up from there, how would this affect people and families who own businesses? As a $32 million business, that sounds like a, uh, you know, a pretty good business, but that might be a car dealership or, you know, who knows what. I don't know what's worth $32 million, but that's, that's starting kind of low, it seems. Yeah, or maybe you you have a family a family farm, and that's uh, uh, and the, the land is, is has a high value, but you're you're working it every day in order to uh, to to make, to make income, and that's and that's really the difference here. It's not about what you earn off of uh, those assets you have. It's it's taxing. It's actually taxing the assets itself, and um, and uh, sort of one way to illustrate this is if you have a three percent wealth tax uh, on the on a, on an entire stock of wealth, uh, and it has a relatively low low return, uh, so you're only earning three or four percent a year off of off of your stock of wealth. That wealth tax is equal to a 100 percent income tax on top of uh, all, in addition to all the other income taxes we have. And so it would ultimately require uh, small and medium sized businesses to liquidate their assets in order to pay to pay the government, uh, which means all the people that are employed by those businesses. Uh, would no longer have jobs, and it would mean that uh, that large businesses would ultimately have to buy them up, leading to more consolidation uh, of industries and uh, less uh, less family-owned businesses. And I think that's uh, one of the many negative consequences that aren't being fully talked about. So it's a little bit more complicated than just than Jeff Bezos writing out a check. Yeah, I mean, he, Jeff Bezos. A lot of that wealth is in uh, in other businesses in the stock market. He, you have to you would have to actually sell assets in order to, uh, to to pay the government, especially if the tax of I think is what it's eight uh, percent for Bernie uh, under uh, Bernie's plan. Well, by the time we get to um, him, it's way up there. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, that's uh, you're you're looking at the equivalent of income taxes well above 100 percent, and in some cases above 200 um, uh, percent. Once you get into that range, and so he he, he would ha- he would certainly have to uh, change the types of things he's investing in, and all, that means fewer jobs. Well, you know this, Adam, and we're talking to Adam Michel. He's a senior policy analyst at the Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget and also an expert on tax policy at the Heritage Foundation. Um, you know that because this is what you this is your area of expertise. But how many average voters know that and, and, and will even spend the time to investigate it? All they're going to hear is we're going to take oh, what it's not going to hurt uh, Jeff Bezos or any of these other multimillionaires. Uh, we're just going to take a couple of percent every year and they got plenty of money. They shouldn't have to worry about it. I mean, I, I that's what that's going to be the response from voters who are inclined to go along with stupidity like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, there may be people that think like that, but I, I have more faith in in the in the American people, and that they that we still do respect people that have built uh, their their wealth. That the Jeff Bezoses of the world have have put together uh, uh, companies that are delivering things to our doorstep in ways that aren't were not conceivable just to several several years ago that are lowering prices and bringing us more products in many different ways and that that's something that we should uh, look up to and aspire towards as as Americans that's what makes us more innovative and more entrepreneurial than Europe uh, i think that a lot of people do see that but i think the bigger myth that's being uh, that's that is it's being perpetrated by by people talking about these wealth taxes is that uh, a couple trillion dollars that they say they're going to get from this tax will cover uh, the cost of all of the spending that they're being proposed that's being proposed all the free stuff it's simply not not the case uh bernie says he's going to get about four trillion dollars from this wealth tax that the the amount of spending that he's he's proposing is closer to a hundred trillion (laughs) dollars and so we still have to raise taxes on middle-class americans in order to pay for these things and that's that's the big sort of thing that's out there that's not being discussed. The big lie. Sixty-one um, percent uh, of voters, according to Morning Consult, uh, think that I think this was on Elizabeth Warren's uh, idea. Uh, they took a poll. I don't, I'm not that familiar with Morning Consult, Consult, but sixty-one uh, percent of voters think that's a good idea. That's pretty <laughs> scary to me. Now I'm sure they have not not all sixty-one percent have a clue about what exactly the idea is, but that's what they yeah, said. Often, as, as once, once these ideas sort of get out there and, and folks actually think through them and, uh, and the, the counterpoints and the cost to these things are, are presented, I think those, those numbers ultimately end up changing. Uh, but, but, but you're right. This is a, a dangerous idea that, um, that is becoming more popular, and that's why we should, uh, we, we should be comfortable saying that, that I think Jeff Bezos should be able to should be entitled to the wealth that he's built, uh, and the government shouldn't be uh, in the business of, of of taking large percentages of it uh, every single year, year over year. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's plan, I believe, is um, she talks about putting, and she talks about it all the time, and as if it's just a simple thing, and it's, uh, you know, why would anybody be concerned about a, a simple 2% tax on the largest fortunes in the country? Again, that's not 2% of income, that's 2% of wealth already accumulated. And by the way, taxes were already paid on the money that was made to accumulate that. that, that, that that's exactly right. People have pay, already paid income tax. 
uh, on, on, on the money when it was earned. And then there's additional uh, capital gains and dividends taxes uh, that, that they pay on, on the earnings on, on, on that wealth. So this would be an additional tax on top of that, um, layered again on top of the tax that, that they're uh, when they pass on those assets when they die um, through the estate tax. Uh, so this is this is just another layer of tax on top of many more that we have, uh, but it's uh, it, it's ultimately uh, whenever we talk about a new source of revenue, it's not going to stay a tax just on the super wealthy. This is how the income tax was originally sold right. uh, in 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 the early 1900s. Oh, it's just a tax on the wealthiest people. It'll never raise uh, rise above six uh, percent. This is what we were uh, what folks were told. Uh, but over the years, the the level uh, that the, the uh, amount of income that the tax applied to uh, moved lower and lower and lower, and the rate went higher and higher and higher until uh, more than half of Americans now pay pay income tax, uh, where before it was just a few percent of Americans paid it. Um, so. This the, will evolve into a tax that is much larger than what's currently being proposed. If I'm not mistaken, the Social Security tax started the same way. Uh, that, that's exactly right. This is the story of, of, of all taxes uh, th- throughout history. They start as just a small levy um, on just a few of the richest people, and, uh, and then they expand from there. Uh, even like value-added taxes in Europe started as, oh, we're just going to have a small tax to help fund a couple of nice things that we like. Um, uh, on on all consumption, and now they pay what's the equivalent of sales tax rates of twenty percent. Um, o- over time, they just creep up, and that's uh, that's ultimately the long term um, problem with a lot of these proposals. And, and aside from what uh, what would happen if the government um, did this, and what it would do to the the wealth that uh, of people that would be taxed, um, what happens to the economy? If that much wealth is taken away from the wealthy and given to the government to, to waste and, and squander, which it's going to ultimately uh, do. Yeah, that, that it, when the resources, whatever they are, are most productive uh, and, and, and have the biggest returns when they're directed by people in, in the private economy. Uh, when the government gets involved and says, I know, I know how to uh, control that money better than you do, uh, ultimately it's, uh, it, it's wasted and, and that, that isn't, that's not going to be turned into investment, which is the backbone of economic growth. It's going to be turned into to current day consumption. It's going to be turned into, uh, to free college, uh, or, or college paid for by the wealth tax for, uh, for, for, for wealthy students. It's going to be turned into, uh, Big increases in in healthcare consumption is going to be turned into uh, uh, paying for additional time off for 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 people throughout the economy, and that that ultimately doesn't contribute to wage growth. It doesn't contribute to innovation, and it will mean that we're uh, we, we grow more slowly. We're we're more stagnant as a, as an economy, and that has real implications for how people feel, how people live their lives, and how the next generation will live. Well, Adam, I only have about a minute left. Uh, just what do you think the chances are of this thing? Uh, forget about whether it could ever actually happen, but the chances of this um, actually becoming a serious platform, a plank, I should say, in the platform of the Democrats, something similar to this. 
I think it, it, it already has become a plank uh, platform yeah. of the Democratic Party. You see Elizabeth Warren is uh, sort of surging ahead. Um, by In some er, some of the early states, she's doing better than Biden. Um, I think that this is where the, where the left is headed, um, and it's just one piece of the sort of uh, broad progressive agenda uh, that is uh, pretty radically different than anything American, America has seen before. Well, hey, Adam, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you uh, clearing this up for us, and uh, I expect them to keep talking about it for as long as they can get away with it. I don't know how long that's going to be, but I appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me on. Okay, and that's Adam Michelle, the Heritage Foundation, and we'll be right back. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. It makes us sick when we drink the water from the gutter. And the baby, especially when he drinks it, he has stomach aches and it makes him sick. It's germs. It's not clean. Sometimes when I give it to him, it makes his tummy inflate. And then I'm forced to have to take him to the hospital. There's a mission. Sometimes provide free care for the kids and the people in the area. They don't give medication. I still have the papers, actually. I don't have any money to buy the medication. How long has it been since it rained? It doesn't rain much. Does that make it difficult to grow a crop and to make money? No. The crops don't give much. We're growing some millet, but it all perished. Have you had a chance to eat today? We haven't eaten yet, but I'm making some cornmeal for them. Are there days that you've gone day after day without food? More than two days. That was Anitra Parmalee of Food for the Poor, and she joins us now. And before we go any further, the website is the answer pgh slash hope, and the landline is 855-358-4673. That's 358-HOPE for people who want to donate uh, to uh, Food for the Poor. So, Anitra, talk a little bit about the food. Now, $320 or $27 per month is food for a year and, again, water for life for one family. Um and so talk about the food a little bit. Um, how does the food suddenly appear for these people that are going so long without food? Food for the Poor works through community leaders, mm-hmm. ministers on the ground, because if a disaster were to hit your neighborhood, you living in that neighborhood would know the people that are most fragile. You would know the people most in need. So we work with community leaders, and they actually receive the shipments, and there's distribution. We also have in Port-au-Prince, the capital, we also have distribution there, where 
families are receiving meals. And when I say a meal, it's not an individual serving. It's sufficient for the family unit. Mm-hmm. So when you've been there, uh, can people who give the money to food for the poor, can they be confident that their majority of the money that they give is going to end up as food for the poor and not to pay someone's salary or someone's uh, stay in a nice hotel and across the island in Santo Domingo or something. Very. Food for the poor, it takes efficiency and the ability to get food to where it's needed so seriously. We take your dollars so seriously. And if you're like me, every single one of my dollars has a name on it. I need it to do the heaviest of lifting in terms of accomplishing what it needs to because I don't have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I have stood and seen the benefits of your donation. I have seen families get word that they're going to receive food and the joy that breaks out in that household to know that that burden has been lifted. But just rest assured, assured food for the poor has the highest standards in terms of leveraging your dollars so that it gets not only to the people that it needs to, but it also gets the very most to them. And, you know, there are a lot of great charities out there doing wonderful things for people. But what strikes me about this is that it's so tangible what how the dollar turns into food or water, you know, and almost immediately. And you can see the direct correlation between what someone gave and what somebody got. And it's interesting because there's so many things that we're confronted with that have complex solutions. Hunger, thirst are not two of them. Food and water. It is easy. It is a simple solution. We just are in need of your donation. Your $80 provides a child food for a year and water for life. $27 a month, a one-time gift of $320 for a family of four. They move from despair and darkness into joy, and all of a sudden they can think of a future. Think of it tangibly. We've talked about the, the walk for water. Imagine giving back to a woman, because it's usually women that are getting the water. Mm-hmm. Imagine giving back her back six hours of daylight. What can she accomplish in that? Yeah. Can she be a better parent? Mm-hmm. Can she start a, a small business? What's the possibility that your gift is going to bring? Very good. And once again, that's uh, just $80 will give uh, food for a year and water for life for one child. 160 is food for a year and water for life for two kids. And 320 or $27 per month, that's food for a year and water for life for one family. The phone number is um, 1-855-358-HOPE. That's 1-855-358-4673. Uh, you can uh, do it online at the answer PGH slash hope. The answer PGH slash hope. Anitra Parmalee, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So excited to invite you to be a part of this day of hope. We're happy to help. And we're happy that you have helped by sending in money to this point. I have about a minute left here. I want to mention... Um, that uh, I, I was talking to David Harsani of the Federalists in uh, an earlier segment, our first segment, uh, about TV ratings, and it's interesting because you would think that uh, the 
viewers of CNN and MSNBC would be all fired up over impeachment and be really tuning in to find out what's happening and you know and it's, and watch the wishful thinking journalism that goes on at those two places but uh, I just noticed here that uh, Fox just killed them uh, 3.3 million viewers doing during House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's announcement uh, they beat him in the 25 to 54 beat him like a drum and uh, CNN again as they have been for a long time, still down there in the toilet. So uh, I just wonder, when, as I said earlier in the show, when is somebody going to pay the price for that? Either management, people on the air, or both. But our ratings here are through the roof, I know. So thanks for joining us, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.